When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today joined by Dave Prentice, Adam Jones and Gav Buckland as we chew the fat over the major talking points at Goodison Park this week, culminating of course in looking ahead to tomorrow's trip to Newcastle. We'll be discussing what is in, in store for the nine games that are remaining. Marco Silva describing them as cup finals. Bernard and the wingers, we delve once again into the problem area uh, of the team. The Premier League 2 title looks like it's edging closer to return to Goodison. The under-23s winning again on Monday, night, on Monday night. But how close are any of them to the first team? And we'll ask, is our away form better than we think? Um, but we'll start with... Um, Nine games left, Preno. Um, Marco saying, as I said, each one is a cup final. But in reality, what does and what do the, the final nine games of the season look like in your mind? How do they look in terms of what Marco has to do and the team shape and look? And it's, it's got to be a learning curve. I mean, I, I saw a stat last week which raised my eyebrows a little that we are currently in a better position with nine games to go than we were last season in terms of points gathered goals scored and goals conceded, which surprised me because, as we know, Sam Allardyce did a magnificent job in guiding Everson to safety. So, no, you know, maybe we're guilty of, you know, sort of weighing this season down with, you know, sort of far too weighty expectations and things are maybe a little bit better than we think they have been. That's not to sugarcoat anything because it has been a disappointing season, absolutely no doubt whatsoever, but maybe not quite as bad as we thought. Uh, as far as the nine games to go... Europe is still a possibility. I don't think we should rule that out. You know, so depending on who wins what during the end of the season, you know, seventh place could, you know, ensure Europa League qualification. And I've always believed that is a prize worth having. I know a lot of managers don't and they think it's a bit of a booby prize, but, you know, that should be a target. And if that is the case, yeah, you know, everyone is a cup final. It's unlikely, given the quality of the opposition we've got to face in those nine games, there's some seriously big games in there. But I just want to see... Marco Silva, learning a bit more about the players at his disposal. I want to see Dominic Calvert-Lewin given a decent run at centre-forward and see what he can produce. Uh, and I want to see maybe, you know, so a little bit more experimentation in other areas of the team. Uh, Richarlison playing off the right, which he did so successfully for the 20-odd minutes, half an hour against Liverpool. Um, maybe just, you know, I wouldn't say young players being brought in because we'll get into that later, but you know, non, nobody in the other 20 is absolutely banging the door down. Uh, but there's just like one or two areas where, you know, Marco can look at the team and maybe, you know, sort of learn a little bit more about players that he doesn't already know. And let's have one big win. We haven't had one yet. You know, so one really landmark win. Beat Man United or beat Chelsea or, you know, beat Spurs, something like that. Long um, answer to a simple question. No, so no, <laughs> no very good. Um, Adam Prenner, they're saying maybe experimenting and, and, and chopping and changing and giving players and, and, and trialling things. Is it not a, a, a case for saying actually Marco should stick with an 11 between now and the end of the season and, mm. and give, give some of that consistency to the team? Uh, yeah, I think, I think I'd agree with that latter point, to be honest. I think uh, the last few weeks and months have seen a little bit too much chopping and changing for my liking. It's been 
obviously the bad run of form that Everton have been in over these last few months can't be denied. And I think over those over that time, Marco Silva probably lost sight of what his best starting eleven was. I think most of the fans did. Like there was, you could ask ten people what Everton's best starting eleven was, and you would get ten different answers. You know, like, we had so many players out of form. I think now that he's stumbled upon what looks like quite a decent, quite a decent formula. So does that exclude Andre Gomez? Well, no, I, I said decent formula. Right, okay. I don't think he should deviate <laughs> from it all yeah. that much. I still think Andre Gomez mm. in general is a better option than Morgan Schneiderlin, especially when you're going into games like Newcastle away or yeah, like definitely. in a few weeks we'll have Palace away. You don't need to be playing two sitting midfielders in those sort of games in Guy and Schneiderlin. So you just pick one of them and have Gomez playing a bit more of a box-to-box role that we've been used to seeing this season. But yeah, I think uh, on the whole, I'd much rather see, you know, a consistent 11, try and get as many points on the board from now until the end of the season. You know, it was only a few weeks ago that Marco Silva was saying, look, I just want to finish this campaign better than we did last season. That would mean finishing seventh. So he's, he's, laid, <laughs> he's laid his own challenge down. Let's see if he can achieve it now. Gav, describing games as elite games as cup finals is common parlance for football <laughs> managers, isn't it? But is there any deeper meaning for Marco? Is, is that an insight into the scrutiny he still feels under, even though he's had the reassurances, um, you know, rightly so, and I would say, you know, about about his future? Is, is that still a, an acknowledgement that he probably does need to try and get Europe? Uh, absolutely, absolutely, well, or there, there, there or thereabouts. I mean. Um, yeah, I mean, it's only, what, two games ago he was getting this sort of vote <laughs> of confidence, isn't it? Or whatever you would say, or, you know, arm round the shoulder publicly off uh, Farhad. So the nine game team are highly important in terms of establishing his reputation and also, like we saw on Sunday, building like a rapport with the fans. And it's is, it's is very important to Goodison, isn't it? And that goes back to Penelope's point about getting a big win. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You know, to help that will help that, wouldn't it? Really, so it is vitally important for him for nine cup fan that that there is nine cup finals. I, um, for me, slightly contrary. I, I, I think it's vital that Snyder plays. I think we we look far better with the holding midfielder. As I said all season, we need one. I think that would be someone that you'd like an area that you probably want to be, you know, bringing the replacements in yep. in the summer. Uh, I would. More than happy to see Gomez play instead of just a Ghana guy and be a box to box midfielder. Um, Are you saying that about about Idrissi in in light of the fact that we know that if the right offer came in, he would want to leave the possibly, football? Possibly, possibly. And given the fact he's played very well recently, and he has he's played very well. Yeah, he actually, has done. Yeah, I think it's almost a case you say the last last four games maybe since the close of the window probably been some of his best four games absolutely ever yeah, and he's not really he? playing as a holding midfielder is he? he's, he's more playing I wouldn't necessarily say box to box but he's playing at, you know, because mm. Nydland's sitting in it's allowed him to to sort of be more of a nuisance further up the pitch isn't it for, for mm. want of a better phrase um, so I mean I wouldn't die in a ditch if if he plays between now and the end of the season well, I would like to see Gomez given given that role um, because I think he doesn't hurt in this, the way he's played Gomez for us so far this season, he's not been in a position to hurt the opposition enough, and I think he can do that. He's got the game to do that. Could you play all three, guys? You could do. You could do. So um, sacrificing. Everything we yeah. want to do tactically to change the team, all roads stop at Sigurdsson, mm. don't they? 
Yes. That, that's that's the problem we've got and his role, unless you're moving out wide, which is not getting the best out of him. Yeah. Um, so I, I would like to definitely see Snyder play every game as holding midfielder because that's the way for us as, as, as the future. Uh, I'd like to see Richardson play in his best position, which is wide left. Best players in the best positions. Uh, I agree with Plano about Calvert-Lewin. Um, and we spoke beforehand, is, I'm not sure really what's going on with Yerry Mean at the, mm. at the moment, about whether there's an opportunity to blood, blood him between now and the end of the season. But as you say, it's it's... You know, is that a bit of a risk considering defensively we've been reasonably sound? Uh, over the last eight games, we've had four clean sheets, which is the same as what we had in the previous 21 Premier League games. So we might not want to sort of change that formula. So, yeah, I think there's, I'd like to see consistency, but I think there's scope for looking at how we, how I want to see us play next season, still scope to make a couple of, couple of little changes. Let's pick up on Preno. Pick up on your point. Then it wasn't on the agenda, but as you, as you mentioned it, why is Europe something that we should be still striving for this season? Even though, as you probably would acknowledge, there are pitfalls playing in the Europa League and the early start, and you know, knowing that Marco would probably benefit from and the score would benefit from a full summer of of training at Finch Farm. Why is Europe still something we should be trying to get to? A number of reasons, really. It, it creates excitement around the club. Uh, the more matches you play, you know, so the more opportunity uh, the squad gets to, to play more games. And it just creates a buzz. I know it wasn't, you know, from our experience last season because it was such a, an appalling campaign in the Europa League. But, you know, I can think of previous Europa League campaigns where there's excitement. Uh, you know, that season under Martinez where we got through to the, the round of 16, round of 32, was it, Dynamo Kiev? Uh, you know, great excitement. We were, you know, Fiorentina going back even further. You know, it does create excitement. And I hate to use this phrase, but, you know, cre- you know the brand, you know, the profile, if you like, but it does. It, it, it brings in money. It, no genera- it, it generates interest in your football club in Europe. And so when you're looking at signing other players, they you know about Everton because they've seen them in Europe, you know, so more regularly. You look at the Europa League this week, you know, you look at Rennes, you know, so their fans absolutely bouncing around the place at beating Arsenal. You're thinking, oh, I wish that was good as some, you know, so, you know, having a, a, a tie like that, it just creates excitement. I mean, you can't not want to be in, you know, a, a competition that embraces so many decent clubs in Europe. I mean, there's so many big teams in that competition now. Uh, it's not quite the booby prize it used to be. It's not the Champions League. It never will be. But, you know, equally, it's not quite as bad as it's being painted. And uh, I just I just think because of the excitement it creates, I'd love to see Everton in it again. I don't know where do you sit on the uh, Europa League fence. <laughs> on it or on either side? Uh, I, th- I think it's interesting. I think Prano makes a lot of good points and you can't really disprove them. I think the only... The only thing I would say about it is the last couple of times Everton have been in the Europa League, let's leave the actual last time out altogether. The times before that, uh, in the Europa League, in the UEFA Cup, this the squad wasn't really in transition. You know, We had quite a solid foundation to then go into those campaigns and that's why I think we did so well and there yeah. was so much excitement generated from those kind of runs. I think the problem that we saw last time out was the we were a squad still deeply entrenched in a big transition. Uh, we'd had a massive summer of change. And then we were instantly hit with uh, some early competitive games, couldn't really get into our stride. And I feel like that really affected us for the rest of the campaign then. The prob- the worry that I'd have if we got into Europe going into next season was that it's going to happen again. Because this is going to be a massive, another massive summer of change. You know, you, 
we've we've all talked about there needs to be a clear out of some of the uh, some of the deadwood at the club. You know, there still needs to be injections of quality all over the pitch. I, ju- I do just worry that if we were to then get into the Europa League and we were playing competitive games in mid July. I think that's the big issue. It is going to hamper us a little bit. Yeah, that that was the big issue for me. The pre-season was wrecked, basically. And I don't think, you know, so Ronald Koeman approached it in as efficient a way as he could have done. You know, I know it's very, very difficult when you're playing games in July and you've got to train and then play matches, train and play matches. But I still think they could have done it far more effective than they they did. Fulham managed it, Middlesbrough managed it, you know, all those years ago. You know, they had long campaigns in Europe and had decent seasons as a result. It can be done if you plan properly. And as we saw from the transfer strategy last season, planning wasn't, you know, sort of the high points of that particular regime. It's it's, it's tough, you know, I take both points of view. um, And, you know... I wouldn't argue that, you know, Everton probably or Marcus Silva and Marcel Brands probably wouldn't, you know, sort of benefit from having a season without European distractions, you know, being able to put in place all, you know, sort of their philosophies and their structures and get the squad together. But I'm just being greedy. I, you know, <laughs> I, I want it now. <laughs> Gav, just last one on this then. You, you would understand if Marco's under pressure from the board because of the money that we can take in from being even Europe in the group stages to deliver seventh. Absolutely, I think said last week that the club needs and maybe the squad doesn't, um, mm. and I think which is the most important. Well, I would say going forward for the future, the way we want Everton to be in four or five years' time, it's absolutely vital for us again to Europe, isn't it? To get that that you know the commercial commercial side um, better, you know, the money you get from the competition and just raises our profile. So that's that's we have to take those opportunities. Because at what point will on the playing side will we be? <laughs> yeah. Will will we be? You know, but I mean, la- playing last Europe? season's Europa League did that harm us as a club, or did it enhance us as a club? F- financially, it was very good for mm. you know comparative terms. It was it was very good for us. Um, I'd say on the whole, it probably harmed us as a club. on the playing side. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but we, we've got we've got to embrace we've we've got to embrace European football, haven't we? That that is the way forward for us as a club, and and I just feel that. Just hanging around to when you know wait for an opportunity. Well, that might opportunity mm. might not happen next two or three years. But I do take Adam's point that it's like you know the July start is not ideal, but we just have to manage. We have to learn to manage that better because hopefully in the future we will be managing European football every season because that's absolutely vital for the club's. Uh, uh, sustainability, especially when we move to a new stadium. I was uh, going to mention that we've got to be in Europe yeah, yeah, in a new stadium. Yeah, yeah, imagine you know fans from the continent coming to this mm. iconic yeah. venue on the waterfront. And so, uh, I, I, we, I understand the concerns on the playing side, but we, we have to do that better. So, with nine games to go, then the question is for everybody: Will we get seventh? Really? Yeah, looking at the quality of the games, we've still got to face a good and We've got to win. Two or three of them, and can you see us beating two or three of those? You know, so top five. Teams? Well, I wouldn't say Wolves and Watford are exactly running no, away thinking, with it I was in the of Man United, United, Chelsea. Tottenham. No, but I mean, no, but I mean, like they're, they're our competition for seventh place. Essentially, Wolves and Watford. They're not exactly running away. They're only six points ahead. Yeah, I've they're not, like Wolves are apparently having the best season the world has ever yeah. seen, <laughs> and, and, and they're only six points ahead. I have of to hold my hand and say I've not scrutinised their fixture list, so I don't know how their fixture list compares to Everton's. But I just I've looked at Everton's, and you know, there's a number of games there where. What is it? Well, Howard Farr had described them as, you know, so games that you don't expect to win. Well, <laughs> so all I think is like it, I think this 17 day break that we've just had has massively massively yeah. helped out 
And I think, yeah. it, you know, if you go to Newcastle at the weekend and you win that, yeah. then you've you've got that momentum built behind you then. You know, that's seven seven points out of three games there. Yeah. You know, that, that I think that momentum can really help you. You know, going into Chelsea as well. Chelsea will be just coming back from Kiev mm. a couple of days before. Like, if we make that atmosphere... Never an easy place to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they haven't got Alcaraz at centre-back, yeah, to be yeah, fair yeah. to them. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's as if Marco said, you know, if we can make that atmosphere 70% as good as it was mm. for the derby, then, you know, who's to say that we can't get that result against Chelsea? You know, Arsenal haven't looked amazing. Mm. Like, they showed away from home that they could trip up to a side like Wren. Like, why couldn't, why couldn't Everton beat them at Goodison? Interesting. Well, obviously a big factor in whether we get seventh or not will be the form and productivity of our wingers. Um, Gav... What's your thoughts on Bernard? Um, I think he's getting better, but he's still not what I expected. At this what did stage. you expect? Somebody with a bit more quality. Uh, <laughs> oh, I think what? Quality's outstanding. More, 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 it's sorry, it's a consistent, yeah, consistent, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. consistent quality. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, no, but yeah, okay, but quality, yeah, I will say quality. I'd, I'd expect more from him. And no, say, his touch is sublime. Yeah, yeah, okay. His vision's but good. I don't, I don't, I don't say quality as in saying definition of technique yeah. you know and what i'm saying is is applying that technique yeah. right, to, to the game yeah you know that to me is quality um and he hasn't done enough what i would say he's another one who looks like he's benefited from the the 17 day break mm. and, I, and I, I take on board everything about you know not having not played for all that yeah, yeah. you know um but overall for somebody's played for brazil and i would expect a little bit more from him um he's got a premier league goal for us yeah no nope. no um, yes just uh, that little dink against Lincoln, uh, uh, and and I think Dinkin. he's at a. I think he's <laughs> better, better wide, and I don't. I don't think at number ten. He, he, I think he'd uh, struggle at number ten, right? Because, because it's too a uh, little bit more physical in the middle, and I think he needs space to express himself, mm. and uh, that that that's a conundrum <clears> if you want to play with Alisson wide left, isn't it? Or right wide right, as Pano said. Mm-hmm. So I, I I do like him, but I want to see him applying his skills in a more consistent uh, and effective manner. Prana, you seem to be a fully paid up member of the Bernard fan club. Yeah, I like him. I, I totally take on board what Gav's trying to say in a convoluted way there. Yeah. Um, yeah, he needs to produce more consistently and he looks better as a substitute than he does as a starting individual. But I was pleasantly surprised by his performance against Liverpool. Didn't expect to see him starting. You know, okay, it was a great cameo against Cardiff, but you know, that's Cardiff, you know, so let's, let's see you do it, you know, against Liverpool. And he, and he did to the large degree and finished 90 minutes, which is unusual. Um, I, I just think he's an absolute top level footballer um, as, you know, evidenced by, you know, appearing for Brazil in a World Cup semi-final. I know they got battered 7-0, but, you know, he, yeah, he still yeah. appeared in a World Cup semi-final. 7-1. 7-1. 7-1. But, um, no, I just think he's got a, a huge amount of promise there. And I think we'll see the better of him, you know, when he has had a pre-season under his belt, you know, so he's been at the club for a little bit longer. And I think we'll probably start to see. Don't want to make comparisons because, you know, but I'm going to. Uh, you know, <laughs> Coutinho was like, you know, a slow burner at Liverpool when he first arrived, you know, he was in and out of the side and, you know, similar kind of thing came from, you know, so into Milan, didn't have a pre-season and then became this absolute world beater. I'm not going to say that Bernard will ever hit those heights, but he's got that kind of quality and with a bit of um, pre-season under his belt, a bit more, you know, sort of familiarity with the Premier League, I think we'll start to see that quality being expressed on a more regular basis. Uh, I think it's a great signing. And I remember at the time when he came in, the number of people, you know, so 
quite well-respected pundits around Europe that were, wow, have Everton got him? Yeah. Uh, you know, he clearly is, you know, sort of player that people think very, very highly of. And I'll just say, I, I like him a lot, but I think there's a lot more to come. As thoughts? All I keep going back to is that he was free. Free. <laughs> I'm not sure his wages, but yeah. But yeah. like at the end of the day, you haven't paid the transfer fee for sure. someone, and he, yeah. like he's somebody who's got clearly that much raw talent about him. I think both lads are right. You know, we haven't seen his, his quality enough on a consistent basis. But I think, as Gav's rightly said, I think that 17 day break, considering he didn't have a preseason, you know, that 17 day break would have been massive for him. And I think over the last two games, we've shown his best qualities, his best attributes, what he can bring to Everton on a football pitch. You know, when he came on against Cardiff, he was straight away on that manga, isolating him, getting at him one-on-one, and he set up the second goal. You could have taken on manga. (laughs) 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 Well, Charleston couldn't, apparently. So, like, yeah, like, and he set up the second goal doing that. I think he got got at Trent Alexander-Arnold a couple of times, uh, Jordan Adarby. I think the, the best thing he did in that derby, though, was that, Mad bit of control from Pickford's eighty-yard mm. ball it was Probably incredible. Pulled the trigger just a fraction earlier. If yeah, if only to just try to bend that round Van Dijk. But yeah, I think that, that end product will come to him. You know, he's you know, he's quite clearly trying to build that confidence. You know, yeah. doing getting back to doing what he was doing for Shakhtar Donetsk and what he used to do for the Brazil national team as well. And I think like if we give him a good run of games, I think that's the important thing. You've got to give him that good run of games now from for from now until the end of the season. So are we saying, along with Dominic Calvert-Lewin, is Bernard somebody who needs to be given the final nine games in the starting eleven? come what may? <sighs> I, I, my initial thought would be, yeah, but it, it seems harsh on Adam Ola-Luchman because I feel like he needs the same thing as well. And I don't think you can play both because you can't really leave Richarlison out. So... There's, there's a tough decision to be made there, definitely. Yeah, and I don't I'm, know, glad I, I'm not the one making it. I, I don't think Luckman has done enough to justify getting that run at the moment. I mean, he was bright in the FA Cup tie, but we've not seen much you know, at all since then. And I, I just think Bernard has shown more to show that you know he deserves that little run of games, whereas Luckman, it's all what he might produce. We haven't actually seen anything of it yet to say that he is going to. Harsh, but you know that, that's the Premier League, unfortunately. You so know, he's only had about... 10 minutes of action though in the last yeah. two games really hasn't he I think he came on closing stages against Cardiff yes. and that, yeah. that was it so I don't know, it's a bit, a bit unfair on him The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo Go on Gav just no, on no. the flip side I was going to say but surely making it easier for Marco Silva in, in the decision largely is the form of Walcott, who has been given, I think it would be fair to say, um, more game time than he probably has deserved lately. Or do you not agree with that? No, I agree totally. Um, so does that not make Marco's decision easier? It does. Or why does Marco keep picking him? <laughs> Can you make the questions a bit easier? Obviously, well, reputation would probably be there, but Pace. certainly, but mm. certainly, um, in terms of what we've seen week in week out over the since since Christmas, before is it one Premier League goal since August, something yeah. like that? Yeah, yeah. Spurs. It was, uh, it? Not complete. I mean, 
for somebody who's an experienced player, is 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 finishing's dreadful. I mean, I think there was a stat, wasn't it, last week? I hate these stats, but I'm going to use one. In the Cardiff game, yeah. he had more shots inside the box that were off target than with the player in the Premier yeah. League this season, didn't <laughs> yeah. he? And he did the same on Sunday in the Derby. Where this was a half decent yeah, opportunity. Um, and I, I just don't. When we're talking about players needing game time, um, it would be useful them to have game time. I don't see the point. I really don't see the points of him playing because he, to me, he's, he's offering. Not a lot to us at the moment. I think he's been picked not only for pace and reputation, but maybe tiny reputation, experience, and so far. So while Marco continues to feel the pressure and the necessity more so to be picking up points, regardless of of experimenting, is Walcott going to naturally be in with more of a shout because Marco knows that as a more experienced player, he can instruct him and give him, and he's going to deliver there on that. A bit better, but, or but the last bit's there. Uh, the key thing isn't going to deliver. Well, you, is he less of a risk? Well, I, I just, I know, and that's like reputation as well, isn't it? That's reputation and experience. But as I see us play week in week out with with my eyes, I just don't see justification for them playing yeah. in the team, mm-hmm. especially when there's an opportunity there for a Luckman or a Bernard, say to play in his place. I think I think the reason he gets in as well as all that is, is defensive discipline and work rate. There's a lot of stuff you see him doing defensively and I saw it on Sunday against Liverpool where he's in the fine, you know, the bottom third of the pitch, you know, so doing decent covering see, jobs. I, 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 but, I think he, he lacks defensively. Oh, no, his I, I, defensive awareness is, but is, it, is, is non-existent. Is it relative? Is he a better defender than Luffman? I, I, I think 100% I, I'm better than Bernard as well. And that, oh, definitely. Is, I definitely don't in. think he's better than Bernard. No, defensively. I disagree. I think I his think, defensive discipline and his... His work race is yeah. is why he's in there because he certainly isn't producing quality. I think, I think, third of the pitch. I think Bernard's so much more aware of where everyone is around him. His mark and when he's getting mm-hmm. back is much better. Walcott just jogs yeah. back. Uh, I, I, well, I, I, yeah. We see different games, so yeah. I see the same game as Ad. <laughs> yeah, because I think that's one thing about Bernard. I think he's actually far, but, but considering he's from Brazil and mm. you know fancy football, he's actually defensively quite disciplined. Yeah, and Walcott this season. How many goals has he cost us where he's not tracked back? And there's been at least two, two or three goals where the other players Arsenal have away. at him. Arsenal away. Yeah. He he poked John Joe Kenny Man in United. a big loads of trouble. Man United yeah, away. Yeah. He poked Coleman um, in a big loads of trouble. Man City as well. I think one of the goals um, in the second half. Um, and do you play wingers because they're defensively the good? I want I want to wear uh, the opposition primarily. You do, but and you've got to. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. But then. A, if you if you play a holding midfielder who'll just cover the back four, does that give you a bit more coverage of your defence? And I, I don't see the point of playing them in the last nine games of the season when there's other options. Going back to the original yes. start of the pod, I would like to see Richarlison maybe tries right. I know he said left before, but I wouldn't mind if, if it meant playing a Luchman or a Bernard on the left. I would I wouldn't mind seeing Richarlison playing right. Um, but I. It's one an England international twenty odd million quid, decent wages. Interesting signing when I look back, you know, over fifteen months. Three it? goals and two assists. Yeah, and I think uh, one of those assists was bouncing back off yeah. the keeper for Sigurdsson, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not wholly convinced. I'm not, I'm not convinced that his long term future. Whether we can sell him is another thing. Hmm. I'm not, I'm not sure whether his long term future is is here. To be fair, but he, he might be another one of the Snyderland. <laughs> things where he's 29 on the last big contract he yeah. maybe doesn't want to move 
but he's been a major disappointment for this season. Last season was okay. Last four or yeah, five months. Yeah, made an impact. Yeah. yeah, six goals was six, seven goals, was it? Yeah. Um, this season, I'm, I'm with Ad. I think he's just uh, been a disappointment, disappointment well, for me. I think the frustrating thing as well is that he started this season so well. Yeah. He, you know, he bagged that goal against Southampton, sorry. Next week he was bagging against Bournemouth away yeah. from home. That Bournemouth goal especially, I was mm. thinking, oh, this is... This is what I always thought we'd see from yeah. Walcott, you know, on the counter attack, blind and pace, yeah. great finish. Uh, like I was just thinking, yeah, this is yeah. this is a, this is an eighteen million pound winger. And since then, he I, I can't remember the last time he beat a man, well, found someone the, with a cross. The last half decent performance was Burnley because that was the one where it was in Marco Silva marched onto the pitch and actually hugged him and you know basically said to him, "That's the kind of performance I know you can produce." Don't take what I was saying before as a justification from being in the team because I don't think yeah. it should be. Absolutely yeah. no way. I was trying to explain why I thought Marco Silva was still picking. Yeah, him. absolutely. Yeah, because um, yeah. interestingly, know, that that game against Burnley, Walcott had played almost as a support striker. Mm. He hadn't played. Yeah, properly. Why he was all, he was he was he was given the instruction to tuck in and help Calvert Lewin. And he's yeah. often said himself that so he prefers go. to be a central striker. You know, his days at Arsenal, he had that one good season, didn't he? Where he scored twenty odd goals. <laughs> the problem is he can't hit a barn door but, with a banjo. Well, yeah, it surprises yeah. me because yeah, his, his finishing is should we say at best instinctive. <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he's not the most natural finisher in the world, and that's that's being kind. So, is there anybody um, from Everton's under twenty threes who deserve to be? taking the place of, of a Walcott or somebody, you know, Everton uh, on Monday night beat Liverpool 2-0 at Anfield to edge closer to a second Premier League 2 title in three seasons with a 2-0 victory. They need three more victories from their remaining four games to clinch the title. Uh, do you sense anybody in the 23s that's pushing or do you look at anybody and go, they need to be given an opportunity now between now and the end of the season? I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Like we've, We've discussed this for a few weeks now. You know, this could be the second time in a few years that Everton's under-23s are going to win the Premier League too. I think the first time they did it, like there was a number of standout players. You know, you've got the likes of Dowell, Davis, Calvert-Lewin played a lot of games then. Uh, John Joe Kenny, obviously. You know, they're all in and around the first team now, apart from Dowell, who's been sent out on loan. But, you know, they're, they're in the first team picture now. I'm looking at this, this squad of players... In, in a way, it's more impressive what David Lundsworth's done with them because there's no real standout players for me. You know, there's... I, I genuinely couldn't even pick one of them, you know? It's, it's the old arguments about whether under-23 football currently produces players ready for first-team football. Mm. We've argued it many times that, you know, you're playing against other under-23 footballers when you probably would benefit more from going out on loan yeah. and playing, mm. you know, sort of championship-level, you know, sort of players and, and develop better as a result. I'd argue the most exciting young prospect at the club at the minute is Anthony Gordon, who's been more with the under-18s. You know, he's played briefly for the 23s, you know, set up the second goal on Monday night and he's just signed his first professional contract with the club, which I think is brilliant given the fact that he was linked to Borussia Dortmund not so long ago. So I'd be very excited to see how he... But he, obviously he's got to go through the under-23 <coughs> setup before he yeah. gets anywhere near the first team. So, yeah, it, it, it will be interesting. Does he, though? Does he have to go through the under-23 setup? Uh, You've got to be as good as Wayne Rooney if you're going to jump that's out. What that, that, uh, but that's, that, you know what my, my fear on this? What my default statement here is, 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 is if you're not good, at, not good enough at 18 to play in the first team, then you're not going to be good enough at 2023 to play in the first team because academy football does not, in my eyes, work in a way that develops you to improve your quality, consistency, experience, to make you good enough to play in the Premier League. 
And if you look around the Premier League, the players who've come through academies and first teams have been in the fit. By and large, the bigger clubs have been there when they were 18. No. And uh, well, Everton, isn't it, really? Yeah. If you have a look, our two, our two most successful academy products, what, Barkley and Rooney, in the last, what, 15 years? Yeah, Tom but Davis Tom, has been playing since he was yeah, 18. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, Tom Davis was yeah. playing when he was 18. You know, started at the starting the first team at 16, 17. What, we ha- what you don't see is, say, somebody all of a sudden turns up in the Premier League team at 21 and think, mm. wow, yeah. he's good. You know, that, that doesn't happen because I don't think pre- Premier League... Premier League under 23 football develops Sheffield what Plenum says at the start of the start of the piece and I think uh, that's just we've talked that to death haven't we in the past and I think if somebody was good enough at 18 to play for Everton I wouldn't necessarily say you know playing the under 23s I'd be looking at giving an opportunity Mm. to be fair Interesting, interesting indeed. Um, we move on now. Um, a victory at St James's Park last season uh, in December of last season was a first win on the road in 17 attempts. But actually, despite what it may feel like, is our away form better than we think? Uh, 15 points picked up so far, which is the same as last season, Prenner. Is it really? Yeah. yeah quite a few things about this season that are yeah. surprising us. Um I think there was a spell earlier in the season where the pressure of playing at home, you know, so it was certainly getting to the players. And I'm hoping that maybe a corner has been turned with the, not just the performance against Liverpool, but that, um, I don't want to use the word bonding as such because, you know, there wasn't any anything like that going on. But there certainly seemed to be, <clears throat> I don't know, that the players responding better to the crowd and the crowd responding in turn, you know, sort of the players' efforts far more than we've seen at any time, you know, so since Marco Silva's been here, whether that's down to sirens or whether that's just down <laughs> to uh, the fact it was a derby match, I don't know. But the atmosphere was great. It really was, you know, so one to enjoy. And the players have all spoken about it. They all seem inspired by it. And, you know, clearly Marco Silva's quite keen to, you know, continue that as long as possible. It's a different matter altogether going away from home, but I think this is a, a good game for Everton to face this weekend. Um, it's a tough place, Newcastle, you know, because obviously, you know, so their home support is quite significant. Um, not quite as good as I like to think it is, you know, with the <laughs> self-appointed, you know, so massive club status. Let's not get into that argument. I've been there in the early 1990s as a Tranmere Rovers correspondent when there were 15,000 inside there. And um, Manchester City, who were in the third tier of English football, were getting 25, 28,000. Their supporters are proper supporters. Newcastle fans aren't. But we're, that's not going on. That's <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Can we soundbite that one and just tweet it yeah. out? Yeah. Do. <laughs> no, just, of Newcastle. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I might do well to get out alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah I'm not going. Yeah. <laughs> you are now. <laughs> no, oh, t- t- some funny stories about being up there. They used to, uh, do you have the press box or where it is now? You're right up in the gods, aren't you? But back in the in the day, you were uh, down almost at uh, a pitch level, enclosure type level, as good as used well, to be. Still yeah. are, yeah, it's oh, still really? there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, there used to be uh, fans sat right in front of you, the road directly in front of you, and they always used to put the uh, the away travelling journalist, uh, and we actually called this guy Dad and Lad, and Dad and Lad would all be sat in front of like the Echo Spot, and every single year, whether it's Everton or Liverpool, Rick George, Phil McNulty, they come back and say, "Oh God, Dad and Lad was on us again today." <laughs> I said, "What's going on?" And days when you had to do uh, football Echo runners. 
And they'd wait until about 10 or 15 minutes and they'd hear you dictating something in a fairly, you know, sort of partisan, fairly pro Everton, Everton way. And they'd turn around and start shouting abuse at you. <laughs> and you're trying to dictate a match report while this, you know, sort of dad and lad are shouting abuse at you. And it used to go on all the time. So maybe that's coloured my views of going to Tyneside a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, never, never the greatest trip. Gav, you, you, you've also some other stats about goals conceded away from home yeah, this season. Yeah, I was... Surprised me already this season. They say same points as the whole last year. We've got more wins away from home this season than the whole of last year. I know this is also damning with faint praise. Um, we've scored more goals on the road than what we did the whole last season. And we've conceded 18 away. Same stage last year it was 29. I think we ended up 36 in the end, yeah. which is like double where we are at the moment. Um, and I just think we just. Uh, I think people criticise Silva, you know, when fans say, oh, he can't set up a team defensively. I think he can. I think he can. You've only got to see how we set up on big games on the road this season, by and large, and we've looked pretty pretty solid against some of the bigger teams. And I think away from home, I think if we, the defence sits a little bit deeper, I think he can set up a defence. And I think that's reflected in our record. And we've not really had that. I mean, City beat beat us three, didn't we? But we've not three really one, had... Yeah. You know, we took some proper pastings last year and even the year before, didn't we? Uh, on the road, and we've not really had that. Um, I mean, so we, we, just, we just look better defensively. I think we've got the fifth best record in the in the Premier League away from home for goals yeah. conceded, uh, and we, we set we set up better. Um, and I think that's reflected in our record. We've got a few winnable games away from home. You know, the way the way fixtures are easy and the home fixtures. Uh, and I think we, we could hopefully finish with six or seven wins on, on ourselves this season when you see what we, who we've got to play. Mm. And that, that's why I like to see Schneider and sit in, but play the, the other midfielder away from home, definitely more as a box-to-box, give us more more up front. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's good to see. Um, as Pano says, we've got to start replicating some of that at, at home, you know. <laughs> Uh, still to come away from home, obviously Newcastle on Saturday, and then in uh, no particular order, I think it's Palace, West Ham, Fulham, and Spurs. Mm-hmm. Winnable, aren't they? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think Breno made an interesting point earlier. The towards the start of the season, we were suggesting that the away form was looking a bit better than the home form, and I think the way Everton were playing at the start of the season just suited better to being an away team. You know, it was very very direct sort of football. Whenever out of possession, it was all about pressing high from the front. Uh, you don't really see home teams doing that so much. Like when you're a team like Everton, you're expected at home to dominate possession a little bit more. And I think that was working against Everton maybe somewhat in those opening few home games, but away from home, like especially in that uh, in that Leicester game, it worked perfectly with uh, Richarlison and Sigurdsson just pressing from the front so well. Uh, I know we didn't win the game, but it worked very well. Chelsea as well. Uh, to try and nullify mm. the threat of Jorginho as it was then. And over the last couple of games, I'd say probably in the derby, we went back to that sort of way of playing. You know, it's a bit different when a side like Liverpool are coming to Goodison Park because you do expect, you know, this, like the team who are second in the league are probably going to dominate possession uh, when you're the underdogs. So Everton would almost play in like an away team at, at the weekend. Mm. But I think going to Newcastle, playing that sort of way again, there's no reason to suggest that Everton can't can't beat them. I know Newcastle's home form has been quite good recently. They've won each mm. of their last four home yeah. games, including a, uh, a win against Man City, obviously. Yeah. So it, it's, it's not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination, but I think Everton have shown over the last couple of games that 
they can absolutely do it. Like it's as I said in the pod, I think it was the other day, if we can marry the attack and flair of what happened in the last 30 minutes against Cardiff with the defensive solidity that they've shown throughout the game at Goodson Park on Sunday. Flying. Yeah, there you go. To, to, to me, it's, it's sorry to bring it up. It's, yeah. it's a great test of uh, of Marco's coaching credentials this game at the weekend. Because you look at the two squads in terms of quality, and Everton's blows Newcastle out of the water. You know, if you're basing all your hopes on Salomon Rondon, you know you've uh, you know you've you've got basically you know so massive gulf in quality. But why Newcastle are being so successful is because, and this is not a popular uh, viewpoint as I know from my Twitter account this week, Rafa Benitez <laughs> is, is a very, very good coach. And, you know, so he's, he's absolutely expert at getting the best out of limited resources. And that's what he's doing at Newcastle. So he will have them organised to the nth degree. He will know exactly where the threat will come from from Everton and he'll set his team up to nullify that and try and counter. And it's up to Marco to try and second guess, you know, so what Rafa's going to do and basically produce a game plan accordingly and it's going to be one of those you know you hate to say but intriguing games you can't see it being you know so massively you know so gung-ho or dramatic but it'll be really interesting he won three nil last year but Watford didn't he yes he did which which is interesting I think going back to our away form I think one of the key players in that is Keane isn't it I think I think he's a far better defender and this probably goes back to his Burnley days if he sits deep and he can just defend I think he struggles and say, I'm just thinking, say, the Wolves game at home this <clears> season or, say, the West Ham game, oh, where we push up a little bit and leave space behind. Yeah. And the ball's played in behind him. And Coleman as well, but we're, we're vulnerable on that right flank because Seamus mm. obviously is maybe not as quick as what it was four or five years ago. Keane didn't play that West Ham uh, game. Yeah, but, you know, just generally, yeah. just generally uh, speaking, we're vulnerable when the ball's played mm. behind us. Um, defensively. And I think Keane especially, you know, struggles on the turn. Um, and and I think if he sits deep, he looks a far better defender, doesn't he? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's had a good season though, Michael. Yeah, I'm not saying that. No, not, I'm not saying you're not saying yet. that. I'm just saying I'm just thinking out loud. I think he has. Hasn't yeah, he, he has. Um, uh, but what what I'm saying is is that he he's somebody who will thrive in that setup. I think defensively, centre half. But but when if we move forward and we sort of like we press press up the pitch as a team, then the ball played in behind him. Is, is, is always, mm. is it's, 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 even, it's even like Keane bringing the ball forward. I'd say probably the, his, his worst attribute in the derby was him trying to bring the ball out from the back because his, pa- his passing game still isn't exactly where we need it to be, especially when he's playing next to someone like Kurt Zuma, who's very, very yeah. good at bringing the ball out from the back. It kind of, kind of shows him up a little bit. And I think, as you say, when we are playing that high line, does put a lot of pressure on Zuma because he's in the side to be, you know, that covering defender. You know, if yeah. Keane is caught out with that ball over the top, it's it's got to be Zuma to demand the cut to yeah. go over and cover, and then it leaves us leaves a massive gap in the defence otherwise. Yeah. And but he, he's yeah. had a good season. No, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, before we finish off and I get predictions, actually, Pren, I want for you because um, Adam Gav have answered this question. It's a question that was actually sent to us um, for the live show the other week, um, and I'm not sure if we got a chance. If you've shared your um, answer on this on the podcast, um, do you, if you recall, somebody asked if we could only sign one of the loan players permanently, whether it be Zuma or Gomez, which one would you choose? Yeah, we were asked it on the night, and my answer was Gomez all day long uh, because he gives us something that we don't already have. Uh, Zuma, I've been massively impressed with. You know, he's decent, but you know, as you mentioned earlier, Gab, you know, Yerry Mina has presumably been brought in, you know, yeah. sort of be also that, you know, so a partner for Michael Keane and Michael Keane has had a good season. But I just think it's more difficult 
to identify and to land a really uh, creative, you know, sort of penetrating passing midfielder than it is to get a decent centre-half who's quick and solid. Zuma is that, but I think that kind of defender is more, I wouldn't say easy, but, you know, so you can identify those players and bring them in more easily than you can, you know, sort of player like Gomez. I just think, again, similar to Bernard, there's an awful lot more to come from Gomez when he's had a full pre-season under his belt, when he's actually had a good look at the Premier League. Um, we saw glimpses of it in those first, you know, so four or five weeks when he first broke through into the first team. I'm just a huge Gomez fan and uh, I would take him all day long. That's not to denigrate Zuma at all, who I also like, uh, but I just think, you know, so Gomez gives us something a little bit different that we haven't already got in the squad. Why are you wearing a Gomez t-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know, to, to be honest. I mean, it, the mood music seemed quite positive earlier in the season. It's gone a bit quieter now. Whether that's because his form has dipped a little bit and, you know, so maybe people aren't quite as excited about the idea. That could be in our favour, you know, so, yeah, yeah. so maybe, you know, so suitors from elsewhere won't be quite so enthusiastic now. And obviously he's had a look at the club, you know, you'd like to think he's quite happy and quite, you know, enjoying, although he hasn't been picked the last few weeks and so maybe he isn't. Uh, but, you know, I'm hoping we do because, you know, because I like him a lot as a footballer. Good stuff. Uh, Gav, I'll start with you. What's your prediction for Newcastle versus Everton on Saturday? Um, as some, I think you, um, the echo points out today, never won three on the bounce there, have we? Nope. So it's going to be one 0 win for the mighty Blues, hasn't it? Same last two years, been both in one 0 mm, Last yeah. year certainly was. Yeah, last mm. year certainly was. Uh, Ad, uh, I'm going to go two 0 to Everton. Mm. Uh, I, I fancy fancy to keep another clean sheet, third clean sheet in a row. I think that's got to be key. I think uh, goal in each half. Won't take from who? Because <laughs> I don't know who's going to play. <laughs> we, we never get this right, do we? So. Um, uh, I'm, I'm confident again. It's going to be tight. It's definitely an under two and a half goals on your uh, on your coupon. But uh, I think a one nil away win, and I'd love to see Calvert Lewin, you know, so pop the winner in. Interesting. I think uh, we'll win three one. Uh, let us know what you think. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Well, he got the Sorry, derby one right. Yeah, he got yeah, the derby well, right, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see. Eh? We'll see. Fingers crossed. Um, let us know your predictions. Uh, get us on Twitter. And you can uh, rate and review the podcast on iTunes and the Acast app. So please do so. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.